Coming up next on 2NURFM, time for Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard. Joining me, Jane Klein, and yes, it's still coming up to the end of the financial year. So we'll have a tax update and planning. We'll also have our market update with Henry Jennings. Take a look and see what commodities are doing. Of course, we've had a state budget this year, Stephen. Is that going to make any difference to our lives? I don't think really it's going to make much difference to the lives. And I know, of course, that as usual, this region was shortchanged on the infrastructure spending. I mean, a mere $100 million for the uh, light rail track up uh, Hunter Street or Scott Street or wherever it's going. Um, but the, the interesting thing was, of course, that, that the government's rolling in money from the collection of uh, stamp duty on property transactions. And, and you know, it's just... Uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars rolling in. Um, of course, how long that's going to last is uh, nobody's. Uh, um, nobody knows. Nobody knows. But you know, you would think they should be spending that money on uh, infrastructure and um, things that improve services for the community while they've got it. The community across the board, as uh, particularly to- this region, and as opposed to lots of money being spent in Sydney. And you know, with the percentage of the population, you know, twenty percent of all the infrastructure spending should be coming to this region. And it just doesn't happen. Mm, so you didn't notice anything, any pleasant surprises in the budget for our region at all? No. Very little. Okay. Well, we'll take a deep breath and move on to commodities. What's been happening with uh, those things, things like gold and silver? And Well, gold's been pretty steady um, at $1,523 an ounce, which was with, with the problems that's um, starting to uh, erupt in Greece again, you would have thought that might have moved up a bit, but it, but it hasn't. Um, uh, silver was uh, similar to last week at $20.61 an ounce. Um, the, the base metals, um, the copper, was uh, similar to last week at $7,448 a tonne. Um, nickel was $16,565 a tonne, which is movement of about 1%. And tin was, was the big mover of the week. That, that's gone to 19000 $826 a tonne, which is up 4%. Okay. So the only real move of any significance was the tin price. So tin is used quite a bit in computers, isn't it? Um, Maybe. <laughs> it's, it used to be used for canning and, um, you know, the, the cans and on your roof, the galvanising is made out of tin. So, so I'm not actually sure where else it's used, but it's probably used in computers. A lot of gold's used in computers, you know. Is it indeed? So yeah, whenever yeah. anything's got a price like that, it's got to be something that's much in demand. No, no, gold's a very good connector, uh, conductor of electricity. So some, okay. of the, some of the cards in the computer have gold, uh, gold connectors. Very thin plate, though. <laughs> <laughs> so not worth melting down. <laughs> um, not unless you collect a lot, I imagine. Yes. Um, the currency, um, the Australian dollar fell against the week by 1.2% against the US dollar, which is down to 77.85 cents last night. Um, the, the Great British Pound, um, very similar, 49 and 07 pence. And the New Zealand, New Zealand dollar, we're down against the New Zealand dollar, so it's $1.11 New Zealand dollars for our dollar. Mm-hmm. And the euro... We were up against the euro, which, which given the, but that only marginally, we are up against the euro by 0.2% to 68.68 euros to the Australian dollar. Mm-hmm. And of course, oil. How about so you want to go straight to oil? States? Yes, we can go straight to oil. Oh, um, well, no, we can go somewhere else if you want. We'll Where would oil. you like to go? Well, the oil. We'll go, the West Texas. The, the West Texas intermediate crude price was up again by another half percent to uh, seventy-eight dollars and twenty-three cents a barrel. 
Um, so the oil price seems to be trending up. You know, we're, we're just looking back here, we seem to be, you know, going up at about half a percent a week. So, you know, we're getting back up towards $100. It wasn't so long ago people were talking about dropping below 50 um, And we've got the petrol price. Well, of course, the petrol price has gone up. Um, the unleaded petrol price in Newcastle a small, a small time ago was $1.43 per litre. And in Sydney, it's a dollar forty-two. So Newcastle's gone up 0.7, but but Sydney's gone up 0.4. So the gap's closed between Sydney and Newcastle again. And the diesel price, um, the diesel price in Newcastle's a dollar thirty-six point eight, which is very similar to last week. And Sydney's a dollar thirty, which is also very similar to last week. And the thing we kind of missed earlier was the uh, the world share markets. Ah yes. Uh, yes. So the Australian market. Um, was up uh, 1.4% at the end of, the, of uh, yesterday compared to the previous week, the two 5,672 points. Now, at this time of the year, particularly coming in the next week, um, the share market will do all sorts of funny things up to Tuesday with uh, people uh, selling various uh, investments to realise um, tax losses if they've got gains, which we've spoken about before. And, of course, then, you know, it's interest of certain fund managers to try and push prices up to improve performance figures. So, you, you know... Be careful about trading towards the end of the the end of the thirtieth of June. Um, you know, you might pay higher prices for stocks than you'll get the following day. Mm, okay. um, ASICs claimed again that they're uh, looking at unusual price movements in the next week. Um, uh, the U.S. Dow Jones was uh, similar to the previous week uh, at 17,966. Um, so the Dow Jones is almost a record high. It's, it's not quite a record high, but pretty close. Um, the Nasdaq was 5,122, which was up 1% of the week. Um, the U.K. index was up 2.5% of the week, which is 6,844, which is a FTSE. And the Hong Kong index is 27 1,444, which is 2.4% up on the week. To a new RFM, this is Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard. Uh, we do it for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. It's time for our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. As he gets himself ready. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good. How's it down there in Melbourne? I'm thoroughly enjoying my new role at Marcus today. It's, um, it's very enjoyable down here in Melbourne. It's good. Is it cold? It's shining. The sky is blue. Oh, it's excellent. It's a little chillier. It's probably a bit chillier than Newcastle, but still. Yeah, that's fine. It's cool. all good. And so the first thing I want to talk about is that Melbourne law firm that seems to uh, <laughs> be getting a bit chilly with some issues over um, work, uh, work in progress and the acquisition of Quindells, which is a US a UK professional services firm by Slater and Gordon. Do you know do you know kind of what's happening there? Um, I'd like to say yes, I do know what's happening there, but at the moment it's um, the, the company has um, been coming out and uh, denying any particular issues. Uh, what's been happening is Slater and Gordon are in the middle of acquiring a business called Quindells, which is a UK litigation company as well. There has been some question marks over. Um, the accountant that actually is, is doing the work 
um, for Slater and Gordon is it's not one of the big four and there's some some uh, theories that now they sort of become much bigger they should have one of the big four accountant firms the other issue they've got is with this Quindell in the UK the shares have been suspended on the AIM which is the sort of the junior market in, in the UK um, Slater and Gordon have been coming out and, stre- and stressfully uh, well, stressing that uh, they, they don't see any major problems but the, the market at the moment is certainly seeing major problems the stock's down another 18 uh, actually as I speak it's down 20% this morning down to 492 so um, so that's pretty serious so the, the market is very much uh, of the opinion that uh, there is trouble at mill and um, at the moment you know they've come off a high of nearly eight bucks to uh, to four dollars uh, something so yeah not not good news for Slater and Gordon and to say they keep they keep coming out and uh, denying uh, any issues but the market seems to think there are issues this Quindell um, that, that's actually bigger than Slater and Gordon isn't it yeah, I mean, this, this was a company making acquisition, a very big, uh, you know, over a billion dollar acquisition. So um, it, it was seen as the sort of the make or break, I guess, for Slater and Gordon. And at the moment, it does seem as if there is some uh, some break as opposed to make going on. I think one of the issues that we have is that um, it is one of the most heavily shorted stocks in the market, which um, for, for listeners, shorting stocks means that you're selling shares that you don't own, um, hoping to buy them back cheaper. At the moment, there's around 7.5% of the shares are actually shorted now. Um, if you're short shares, it's really good to uh, to feed rumours and what they call rumourage stocks down. Um, and uh, shorters love getting stories in the newspapers of, of problems and issues and then the media laps up um, depressing stories as well. So um, in kind of jittery times, it's easier to, it's easy to rumour stocks down. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not a good situation at the moment. Yes, of course, it could be uh, the basis for a class action that Slater and Gordon say good at running. Well, I, I guess if there is going to be any class actions, uh, these are the guys that would be pursuing themselves. <clears throat> That's right, or, or their competitor firm. Yes. Or their competitors, yeah, someone yeah. like IMF. Yes, yes, IMF yeah. came out with some good news this morning too. Um, yes. Uh, flight Centre's share prices uh, slumped following a profit warning. I mean, that Flight Centre was one of the darlings of the market. What, what's kind of happened well, there? Well, yeah, Flight Centre's... I mean, the problem with all these darlings of the market, and we've seen it um, at the moment, this is sort of confession season where you get a whole bunch of companies that are coming up to their June end of year um, and they start confessing that uh, maybe things aren't quite as rosy. And the problem with some of these high PE stocks is they are priced to perfection. And if you disappoint as Flight Centre, and Seek and a few others have done in this um, confession season, or maybe, as I like to call it, after the ABC show, the killing season. Um, it, it's not an easy thing uh, to come back from. Flight Centre seems to have some issues, um, which is hardly surprising given that the, uh, the nature of the consumer confidence we have in Australia at the moment. But they do have some issues with uh, the sort of domestic leisure market has been falling off. They're also... Um, People are looking at the sort of, I guess, their archaic high street presence with their, you know, um, whereas a lot of um, a lot of travel now is going online. So there's a one or two analysts questioning whether they should be having these uh, these sort of expensive high street stores. But I, you know, I have to say that every time I go past a, a flight center shop, um, that the uh, the travel agent guys are always seem to be very busy on the phones. Um, and they always seem to have people there waiting, looking at brochures. So I'm not sure that is a major problem for them. People still do like to talk to someone who's been there rather than just someone on on the telephone or online. But uh, certainly it's a concern the market has got at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's not only with Flight Centre. I mean, the the, um, the CEO of uh, Hello 
world travel resigned this week, and she'd only been there a short time either. So. Yeah, she hadn't been there very long, had she? I mean, I no. guess I mean the, one of the, uh, the, the overriding problems of flight centre is we do have a, a sort of a domestic economy that's not going to uh, not going too far at the moment, and you know people when they're uncertain about their jobs, um, they're uncertain about the future, do not tend to uh, to book those expensive uh, overseas trips, which is, I guess, you know, bread and butter stuff for flight centre. Yes, and talk of struggling, Atlas Iron Ore is looking around to refinance some debt again. Yeah, I mean, Atlas Iron has been one of the, um, I guess it's quite been one of the, the big casualties of the um, of the, the falling iron ore price. I mean, it's it's hard enough for the BHPs and the Rios and, and then the Fortescues to, uh, to, to survive um, in this kind of climate, but uh, Atlas Iron have really, really struggled. Um, as a result, they're having to raise a whole bunch of money. Um, they're raising $180 million at the lowly price of, um, of five cents, which is a, a massive discount to where they um, where they were before the suspension around the twelve cent level. So that, you know they're, they're chucking in a free option to everyone, which um, you can exercise at seven and a half cents in a couple of years or up to a couple of years' time. So that's a bit of an incentive, but they certainly seem to be. Um, you know, there's questions whether this is the bottom of the market, and of course, um, they're urging shareholders to take up the entitlements so they don't get diluted. Um, you know, I think the options are going to be a fantastic uh, hunter's vehicle uh, to play in the next uh, few years as, as the iron ore price bounces around. But uh, they, they brought back the former MD, who um, sort of was like putting the band back together to try and uh, help the company restructure, drive their cost base down, and as a result, uh, emerge from this uh, leaner, meaner and stronger. This is Thursday Finance, and we are in the middle of our market snapshot with Henry Jennings, Stephen Pritchard, grilling him on various aspects of the market. <laughs> I'm about grilling, Henry. Um, and, of course, uh, the, other, the other company that needed to refinance that too was uh, Maya. Um, so so it's, yeah. it's had to get $600 million in. Yeah, they had some uh, some some debt coming up, and they've managed to refinance that, which the market has taken as a, as a slight positive, I guess, um, in terms of not having to issue equity at these uh, these kind of prices. Um, interestingly, I did a chart yesterday for our subscribers here at Marcus Today of the performance of Premier Investments against the performance of Maya. Now, Premier, you you will probably uh, remember, was uh, is now run by a gentleman by the name of Solly Lou, who used to be um, quite interested in Maya's back in the old days. Um, and uh, also there was a gentleman that runs Premier called Mark McGuinness, who was the uh, ex-MD of David Jones. But looking at the two performances is like chalk and cheese. Premier have done exceptionally well um, over the last few years and have shown their sort of clean pair of heels to retailers, whereas Maya has just been an absolute dog uh, under the uh, the last management. And it's trying to be turned around under the new new management. But uh, yeah, it's, it's taking a while, but at least this take some of the heat off them in terms of short-term funding. I don't think Myers ever made as much money as, as when Solomon Liu was running it 10, 15 years ago. No, it's, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm down in Melbourne at the moment and you, you walk into the Myers store in, uh, in, uh, in, in the big shopping centre in Melbourne at, at Burke Street. You know, it's... Um, yeah, apart from the um, the, the makeup and uh, that's that's start every floor you go up it gets less and less people which is uh, which is somewhat worrying but I have to say in, in their defence you could find someone to pay 
which is unusual at Myers because usually you look around for somewhere to pay and someone to help you, but they do seem to have more staff. But I guess more staff is more costs as well. Well, the, the, the Myers in Newcastle, um, you know, you know it, it looks like someone needs to go and give it a good tidy up half the time. There's just clothes and stuff just left around, laying around yeah. everywhere. And is, that, is that where you get all your makeup, Stephen? No, no. I don't. Myers at Charlestown Square, and it's, it's too hard to uh, actually get there. Uh, so, all right. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's always, I don't like Charlestown. Um, and yeah. problems, speaking of problems, there's another Melbourne institution that seems to have some problems, IWF, or had yeah, some we, problems. We, we, well, it looks as if they had some problems. Um, the gentleman in question is now on uh, on indefinite leave, um, but it does look as if uh, there was some culture uh, and some practices at IWF which have been questionable, and there's been calls for royal commissions and everyone jumping up and down. Um, you know, I guess disgruntled employees um, or, you know, and things that are going through the courts are very hard to, uh, to counter, but certainly some of these practices do look somewhat dubious. Um, they are in the past, and management has moved swiftly, and they have appointed, uh, I think it was Price Waterhouse, as an independent uh, body to look at past practices and look at current ones, I guess, and make sure that they're doing everything by the book. So, you know, we're seeing this a lot in the, um, in, in the industry. We've seen Commonwealth, we've seen Macquarie, uh, we've seen a number of players that have got... Uh, some issues with internal practices, so they're not Robinson Crusoe in this one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if there's anything to say, I think, is that, that the allegations of losses by clients haven't been to the same extent at IWF as to... As, as, no, as, as, there's it's, it's there's there's more... There doesn't um, seem to be any losses by clients. Uh, as compared to the others, yeah. As compared to the other side, in, in, in relation to sort of the Macquarie and the Commonwealth and even ANZ, I think had some issues as well. Um, they, these look, uh, these look sort of uh, more minor, but still, it's not a good look. And no, it's not again, a good look. The media no, no. gets hold of, hold of it, and you know everyone wants to kick the financial planning industry while it's down. Yeah, well, this is really the funds management issue, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, insider trading allegations. Um, yeah. And speaking of problems, David Jones seems to be uh, wanting to get, join the. Uh, Food retailing business again. Well, again, yeah. I mean, as if uh, Woolies uh, hasn't got enough problems at the moment. I mean, they, they've certainly been in, on the front page of newspapers for their problems for some time. Um, Coles as well. I mean, they're, they're all, both of these two big incumbents are kind of being nibbled away at by the likes of Aldi. And now we've had reports in the papers today that David Jones are going to revamp their food halls, uh, maybe even take on Thomas Ducks with sort of standalone kind of um, you know, gourmet, yep. expensive upmarket stores. Um, we'll wait and see how that goes. I mean, I think there's, there's one in Sydney called uh, Simon Jones, the green grocer. Um, they had a go. Um, so that, that, there are some people that are, that are having a go. I mean, I guess this nibbles around the margins. The, the biggest issue for Woolies is, uh, is still uh, Masters and still the fact that Aldi's nipping at their heels. And at the moment, they are kind of rudderless with their CEO, Grant O'Brien, having been at the firm for 28-odd years and in the, uh, the top job for the last four, he, um, he's sort of in limbo land. So um, until we get a new, and I suspect, um, overseas CEO to revamp the business, I think the stock is going to languish and just wallow around. Uh, and judging by Paul Simon's comments um, in, the, in the newspapers at the weekend, the board needs to be changed too. Apparently there's no, none of the independent directors have got um, any retail experience and the chairman's response was, well, they're for corporate governance, not, to, not retail experience. I would think some retail experience would be really, really helpful if you were on the board of Woolworths. And yeah. if you haven't got retail experience, you probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. Corporate governance.
government yes, experience, yes. you can you can probably cover that with, with you know, one, one person. And most people that have, have got a senior position in retail or had a senior position in retail would have had that corporate governance exposure anyway. So uh, I don't think that's a valid excuse. And I think you know it should uh, it should roll on the board of, of Woolies, and maybe we do need a good clean out not only of management but of the board as well. Yeah, and if you look if you look at Simon's comments, it, it appears that they've done the same thing as Carl's. They've built this great big corporate empire building called Bella Vista out somewhere or other and no one bothers yep. to go in the shops anymore. I think I think it's called hubris, um, Stephen. And, and like Icarus, who flew too close to the sun, we know what happens when you get arrogant um, and you have hubris in, in, in your business. It, uh, it never ends well. And... Um What's back to Greece now? Greece, oh, the, yes. How can we not talk about Greece? We, yeah. we will be here in five years' time, Steve. Yeah, we'll yeah. both be old and yeah, grey, yeah. talking on Newcastle Radio, talking about Greece. This problem will not go away. It will never go away. They have not got enough money to ever pay back the debt they have borrowed or been given. Um, whatever, if they do have a solution um, to this one, um, I've, I've, we've had Grexit, which is when uh, Greece exits the EU. We've had Grimbo, which is when Greece is in limbo. And I, I started one this morning, which is uh, Gredlock, which is uh, when Greece is in, in deadlock with their uh, with their lenders. So, um, so now we're into uh, Gredlock, I think, and it was we approach the, the final midnight. Um, hour, um, it's looking it's looking shaky. I'm sure they will do a deal, kick the can down the road, and hopefully make it somebody else's problem. Well, apparently the, a number of the Greek banks are just starting to have liquidity problems, not because they're unsound, but basically because the depositors want to take all the euros out. Yeah. And I assume they're putting them under the bed or something. Um, yeah. and, and the Greek banks are having to borrow emergency liquidity funding. And it's, apparently, it's, the whole thing is ridiculous. I, I was reading to, uh, yesterday that Greece has actually been given around 227 billion euros in aid uh, since the crisis first started, out of which uh, around 11% of that has actually gone into the Greek economy. The rest of it has gone into recapitalizing the banks and paying back interest on the bailout funds that they've received. And that to qualify for bailout funds, they have to pay interest to the bailout funds to get more money that they have to pay more interest on. So it's, it's, it's a massive round robin of, of ridiculous. So, so basically, just the, the EU is just lending the money to pay their interest back, and then the debt's going up. Yeah, at yeah. some stage, someone's going to have to take a haircut on the money they've, they've uh, lent. You know, the French and German banks have lent billions and billions of dollars to Greece, um, and the governments are reluctant for those banks to take a haircut and a hit on those loans. But at some stage, it's, it's inevitable they will have to, mm, if they can afford it. Anyhow. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Jane's telling me we have to. Uh, well, I think we've, um, we've, so we've rambled on too long. No, no, that's all right. That's always interesting. So before yep. you go, and yep. quickly, what what what's uh, what stock should we be looking at for the next six months, Henry? Oh God, not a Greek a one, question, isn't it? Uh, not a Greek one. I think um, for the next six months, it's probably. Um, the market's probably going to go sideways uh, to slightly up. Um, I think at the end of the day, we're still going to be looking at uh, the old yield shares as, as safety. And what, what we've seen in the last, in this killing season of, of confessions is that um, you know, high PE stocks that surprise the downside get absolutely slaughtered. So it's probably not the question of which stocks that you buy, it's probably which stocks you avoid. And I would look to avoid those high PE stocks that have uh, room for disappointment, stick to stocks that have certainties of earnings, uh, stick to stocks in sectors like the healthcare um, and those sorts of 
um, areas. So I, I would, uh, you know, I would avoid those high risk, the, the flight centres and the and the uh, the seeks and those sorts of things that have the very high. Realestate.com. Realestate.com. Yeah, to name but three. Okay. Thanks for that, Henry. Speak to you after Thanks, the new Stephen. year. Bye-bye. After the new year. Thank you, Henry Jennings. Back next week in the new year, financial year that is, with our market snapshot on Thursday Finance. Stephen Pritchard, it's getting very close to the end of the financial year, so there are still probably some things we need to think about, but there are some changes that have been mooted for dependent spouse rebate. What's happening there? Well, basically what happened in the budget was decided to abolish the dependent spouse rebate for the following year for the year and of course that's the, for next financial year not this one yeah, yeah. right and of course the legislation actually hasn't been passed right. and the tax office is now telling people that they shouldn't claim the dependent spouse rebate but you're perfectly entitled to claim the dependent spouse rebate because that's what the law says now the interesting thing is going to be um, if you claim it um which you're entitled to under the law, and then the legislation gets passed so you're not entitled to claim it, um, the money's going to have to go back, and is the tax office going to charge you interest and penalties on that because you made an incorrect claim? But at the time, at the time you're entitled to claim it, and of course then the other issue is if, if you don't claim it and the legislation never gets passed, you're out of pocket. So, you know, the, you know, the government talks about, um, you know, simplifying things and, um, you know, cutting red tape. I mean, in actual fact, they're just making things worse and worse. I've never seen a red uh, red tape production being reduced. I've, I've never say. seen it. Yeah, it's just complete nonsense. As soon as you hear the word simplify um, or reform, you know things are going to get worse. <laughs> Well, speaking about, I don't know whether it's simplifying, but the $20,000 small business asset write-off, is that a little bit clearer as to... Um, Yeah, there's a number, it's not not as clear as when it was, the legislation's down, Um, we were going to talk about it a couple of weeks ago, but we never got to it, but uh, okay, you have to to actually be... um, has to be in business, so you know, and the business has to be a small business. So what that means is that you have to have a turnover of less than two million in aggregate. Now, what aggregate kind of means? I think that what that means, because it hasn't been clarified yet, means that if you've got a business that consists of you know and a couple of different companies, they all the turnover of all those companies have to be added together to determine whether you're under the two million, and you have to be carrying on a business now. What that means is that, and these things are specifically inc- excluded. So, if you've got a a, a company that that invests in um, uh, real estate, for example, may have a number of properties in there. That that's not counted as carrying on a business. So, you're not entitled to the twenty uh, percent write-off in respect to that. It doesn't apply to primary production businesses. There's special additional write-offs in respect to primary production. So, they they've kind of taken care of. And you know, any type of um, investment company that you might have in equities or, or something, um, it doesn't apply as well. So it has to be carrying on a business like manufacturing or retailing or uh, consultancy services. So it, it's not straightforward that or clear. And it has to be one piece of plant and equipment. You can't, as was put to me, you know, um, you can buy a car on two invoices at $19,000 each. Uh, no, 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 that, that won't work. It has to be uh, one piece of plant and equipment. Um, and you can claim it as many times as you like. So if you had, 
you know, a manufacturing business, for example, and you wanted to buy uh, six machines that cost $18,000 each, provided they were standalone-type machines, you're perfectly entitled to do that. Mm. So it, it, it's a good incentive, but just be careful that you actually fall into the rules to qualify. If you don't, the old depreciation rates will still apply. Okay. So where do you go to find out more about that? Um, the tax office has got a, a website page that explains it all, and there's a copy of the legislation there, I think. Now, or you can ring your friendly accountant. Uh-huh. So we've still got just a short moment or so uh, left. We've got a week to go almost uh, to next Tuesday. Um, so you've still got time to make a last-minute contribution to your superannuation fund if you're looking for a tax deduction. Um, just make sure it's in and cleared by the fund prior to Tuesday. Um, capital gains tax planning changes. Uh, planning, um, you know, if you've got any shares or other things you want to sell that you've made a loss on, um, you want to sell them in the next couple of days um, to offset any capital gains that you've made during the year. And have we got any... Well, we've got 10 seconds. Ten <laughs> what else would you like to tell second? us in 10 and seconds? And an interesting development is Westpac has bought a stake in an online payments business. And, um, you know... The, the financial institutions appear to have learned their lesson from West, from what happened to Fairfax. Um, they're taking um, stakes in these so-called disruptive businesses um, that may disrupt their core revenue. As you remember with Fairfax, um, it had the rivers of gold and they stood by and the rivers of gold ran away to seek and realestate.com and All car right. sales. Well, thank you, Stephen Pritchard. That is our uh, th- Thursday finance for today. Catch it on podcast on our website, 2NURFM.com.